0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now is Dr. Gregory Popchek. Uh, You know uh, Greg and his wife Lisa as hosts of More to Life, uh, which is heard uh, weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time uh, on the EWTN Radio Network. Uh, Greg has been working in really a lot of different related fields. Uh, He and Lisa produced over 20 books on relationships and spirituality, Uh, Greg uh, has developed uh, CatholicCounselors.com, which is a Catholic telecounseling practice that provides marriage and mental health counseling services to Catholics worldwide. And uh, he also has been working on what he calls the liturgy of the domestic church. And we've talked about this a few times before on this program, and I think it holds extraordinary promise for, uh, again, American Catholics and really for Global, global Catholics, but I think especially in the American situation right now, we need something like this. Greg, good to have you with me. It's terrific to be here, Al. Thank you. Well, first of all, go over what you're going to be doing in the next uh, month and a half, two months, because you're, you're <laughs> going to be a busy man, and it's all really outstanding news.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. Um, so um, first, we're going to be launching a platform for Catholic families called Catholic home dot com that's catholic h o m dot com it stands for households on mission and it's the first uh, online family formation program of its kind to really support Catholic families in loving and cherishing each other more deeply, connecting more meaningfully, and caring for each other in the world in, in a more intentional way. And, and we're really excited about this new initiative and getting a lot of really good feedback about it already. And when will that be available? That, well, it'll be available uh, by June 1st. Okay. Uh, and there's a landing page there now, actually, if folks who'd like to sign up for more information. They can go to CatholicHOM.com and, and uh, fill out the form there. That's it doesn't okay. oblige them to Anything that was get information Sure, the second thing is we, we uh, through our role as uh, directors of the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, we are working with the Archdiocese of Atlanta to host the first ever family track at the Atlanta Eucharistic Congress uh, in June. And together with Holy Cross Family Ministries, we have a terrific event planned that I I don't think, you know, I've I've been to a lot of conferences, but I don't think I've seen anything like this. And uh, I want to thank, you know, Holy Cross for their tremendous work on this. But it's going to be an amazing, immersive experience helping families really understand how the Eucharist is the key to their Catholic household on mission as well. So that's coming up. But then the big thing, (laughs) the really big thing. As though that weren't enough. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So exactly two days after the Atlanta event, um, Lisa and I will be flying to Rome um, because the Vatican Dicastery for Laity, Family, and Life has invited uh, us to do the opening keynote at the Rome World Meeting of Families, specifically on this Liturgy of Domestic Church Life and the CatholicHome.com platform. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I,
1: I, and it's not at all intimidating. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's terrifying. <laughs> you, it. you have the keynote message.
0: <laughs> what is it? They're expecting what, uh, this Theological Pastoral Congress, is that what it is? Yes, yes. So there are
1: about t- uh, 2,000 representatives of all the U.S. bishops' conferences from around the world. Uh, Which would include theologians, bishops, pastors, family life ministers, and you you name parents, you (laughs) professionals, you name uh, it—they'll be there.
0: (laughs) Oh, very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about this for for, because the the substance of this has to do with the domestic church. It has to do, again, with liturgy of domestic church life, and um, you've really developed a remarkable. vision for this. So, you know, this w- work that you put together uh, yeah. for the um, uh, Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, and mm-hmm. which is going to be published uh, as a, an e-book. Uh, by, uh, is it Holy Cross who's going to be doing that?
1: Yes, and, and actually for folks, for a more accessible version of it, both our new editions of Parenting Your Kids with Grace and Parenting Your Teens and Tweens with Grace are built around this model and actually describe this whole liturgy of domestic church life in okay. very practical, accessible terms for anybody. Very good,
0: very good. Well, let's just go over some basic uh, terms. Uh, yeah. So when we talk about domestic church, that's a phrase that is still unfamiliar to a lot of people, what is meant by the domestic church?
1: Well, I mean, so this is the first challenge, right? Because the church uses that term a lot in its writings, yeah. um, and hasn't actually given a practical definition of it. The uh, the Catechism, uh, 2204, says that it's uh, like the domestic church. It is a specific revelation of ecclesial communion, but it doesn't really mean a lot, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, in a For practical way. It, right, right. Yeah, so that was the first hurdle is really trying to identify what is a domestic church. And so uh, drawing from the church's theology of family, we came up with a working definition, which is a domestic church is a household of persons united to God and each other through the sacramental life of the church and committed to living out the Christian Trinitarian vision of love in their relationships with each other in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and the more a particular household reflects that vision is the more that household already is a domestic church, yeah. and then the more a particular household maybe struggles to reflect that vision is the degree to which they're being called to become an even more dynamic domestic church.
0: Wow. Incredible. Uh, so this, is, this definition is inclusive of all types of Catholic households.
1: That's right. It is, um, and, but it's also appropriately, um, you know, respectful of the role of of matrimony and a household's course. rooted in the sacrament of matrimony. Because all domestic churches ultimately point to marriage, both in terms of that particular household's call to participate in marital grace, but also in every household's call to raise children who are capable of, of flourishing in Christian marriages as adults. But it includes every household, whether that's single parent households, divorce households, right. parenting households. You name it. It's to the degree that that household. Again, uh, is united to God and each other through the sacramental life of the Church And is committed to living out that Christian, Trinitarian vision of love And their relationships with each other in the world
0: Now, when you talk about the um, uh, liturgy of domestic church life What is the liturgy? Yeah, okay. So let's play. yeah, thank
1: you. Yeah, because there there's a lot of words there, right? It's a, it's kind of a theological word salad that yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean a lot to people. But let's you know, let's break it down. So liturgy, okay, is is a, a a kind of worship, but it's a special kind of worship that God has given us. We don't we didn't invent liturgy, right? God instituted liturgy. So the liturgy of the Eucharist wasn't created by human cleverness. It was given to us by Christ at the Last Supper. In a similar way, the the, the family was created by God at the beginning of the time. We, we didn't invent the human family. Uh, and, you know, in fact um, you might even say that based on both uh, pre-Christian data and post the post-Christian era, the, the Christian vision of family isn't necessarily intuitive. We didn't invent that. It's not a social contract, right? right. It was created by God at the beginning of time. Uh, and so this idea of family as a, a, a means of worshiping God uh, and, and created for God and by God is, is the idea of what a liturgy of, of family life really is. It's the idea that we recognize at the heart of the, of the Christian vision of family is a call to experience God's love more deeply and return that love in every way that we, we live and act both within the home and with the world.
0: So, then, in what way does the liturgy of the Eucharist play into the liturgy of domestic church life?
1: Well, uh, you know, we presented this model to uh, over a dozen bishops uh, a couple of years ago at uh, the Catholic Leadership Institute annual bishops retreat, and uh, one of the bishops there, Michael Moradian, who's the uh, Armenian Catholic Eparch of North America, said most beautifully, he said that the liturgy of domestic church life is the mystical vehicle that allows the body of Christ to communicate Eucharistic grace to the world. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, if you look in Scripture, every time someone encounters Christ, everything about them has changed, yeah. right? The, yep. they, they learn to live and love differently. Well, we encounter Christ in the Eucharist right. every time we go to Mass, and that should change everything about the way we live and love, especially in our families. Uh, and so this idea of the liturgy of domestic church life gives families a concrete practical way to bring Eucharistic grace home with them and allow it to change everything about the way they relate to each other and the world. Now, you have,
0: again, really given this deliberate focus, and I think it's great because it, it, it's it's fleshing out this, again, what was a fairly airy concept of domestic church. You've also got the Liturgy of the Domestic Church Life. It has three rights to it. Yes. And this, again... Is, a, is an aid to focusing. Uh, mm-hmm. So
1: tell us uh, what those rites are. Well, sure. Are. So, so every liturgy, so like the liturgy of the Eucharist, is made up of different parts, and we call those parts rites, R-I-T-E-S. Right? Um, and so the three rites of the liturgy of domestic church life are, number one, the rite of Christian relationship, which teaches families how to live Christ's sacrificial love in the home and therefore live out their priestly mission of baptism. The second rite is the rite of family rituals, which enables families to witness to how Christians work, play, talk, and pray together by creating strong rituals for working, playing, talking, and praying together. And by doing that, we engage our prophetic mission of baptism by modeling a a way the Christian person lives and relates to others and and Mm -hmm. lives a godly life. And then the third Right is the right of reaching out, which is rooted in our royal mission of baptism, which is all about serving, both in the home and the world. How do we use our gifts and talents to be God's blessing to each other in the world? I think this
0: is, in particular, your uh, awareness that families are uh, can be on mission. You know, uh, is is really, uh, I think, broadening the concept of family for a lot of people. Uh, that Christ has called us to be. A family, um, but uh, our, our being called into family has a in a sense a task associated with it, and that's mission. Well, that's right, you know, and and
1: we we are used to thinking of religious communities, you know, the Dominicans and the Cistercians right. and the whatever, you know, all having you know missions and and charisms. But you know what, every domestic church, every Catholic family. Is a religious community, and it has a mission and a charism as well. God brought you guys together, not just because he has a warped sense of humor, but because he has a purpose for you yeah, you know right. and yeah. uh, and so you know the liturgy of domestic church life helps Catholic families discover that mission and purpose and how to really love more deeply and connect more meaningfully and and, and care in a more intentional way for each other in the world
0: yeah. i I think uh I, I'm wondering, uh, getting out of time on this segment, I'm wondering, can you spend another of course. It's time with the good? Oh, I'd love to, I, thank uh, you. Because there's so much here I want to uh, lay out. There's, there's, it's really very meaty. We can talk about the practices that are associated with the right of Christian mm-hmm. relationships and, again, make these become more concrete for us. So we're going to continue conversation with Dr. Gregory Popchek, Uh, Again, celebrating the liturgy of domestic church life. Uh, It's a vision for renewing Catholic family life and creating Catholic homes, H-O-M. That's Households on Mission. And uh, we'll be sure to, uh, again, keep you connected with the work that they're doing. Uh, You can follow up by going to AveMariaRadio.net. That is AveMariaRadio.net. And, uh, Greg, before we uh, take this break, tell me just, if you wouldn't mind naming for us practices that are associated with this first rite in the uh, liturgy of sure. domestic uh, The, the right rite of
1: Christian relationship, yeah. but, you know, living out Christ's sacrificial love in the home. The first one is scheduling family time first. You know, we can't be a domestic church if we don't have time for each other. Mass doesn't happen just because, you know, there's a church there. It has to happen because there's a scheduled time for people to show up and do it. In the same way, uh, having this family ritual allows us to be present. Secondly, a stra- a strong affection. Thirdly, um, having what we call discipleship discipline, and then we'll talk about the other when we come back from that. All right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> my guest, Dr. Greg Popcheck, talking about the liturgy of domestic church life. Uh, again, this is uh, going to be part of his presentation at the World Meeting of Tenth World Meeting of Families coming up. I'm Al Cresta. Be back in just a moment. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Gregory Popchek. We're talking over uh, the work that he's been doing on the liturgy of domestic church life. And uh, part of that uh, are three, looking at three uh, rites that are associated with the liturgy of domestic church life. We were looking at, before the break, the uh, rite of Christian relationship and the importance uh, of carrying this out, scheduling uh, family time together. Uh, being generous uh, with uh, affection and affirmation, uh, even extravagant uh, affection and affirmation.
1: Well, you know, because Christ's love is embodied, right? Yeah. And if we're going to manifest Christ's incarnate embodied love in the home, we have to model that affection. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And then you also mentioned discipleship discipline, um, which is necessary.
1: Well, and that's an approach that actually was developed by St. John Bosco, which, mm-hmm. which focuses on a mentoring relationship with our kids. And then also this idea of, of prompt and generous, cheerful and consistent attention to each other's needs, which is rooted in Saint John Paul's call for mutual self-giving in, in, in marriage and family life. Yeah,
0: so these are these are these four points uh, are ways of living out the right of Christian relationship.
1: That's right, of learning how to live out Christ's sacrificial love in the home. And the thing about all of these three rites and the practices associated with them. You know, when people kind of look online at, you know, ideas of living liturgically and all that, a lot of times it comes up to, you know, you have to do certain craft projects or say certain prayers at certain times. And this is not what this is. This is really all about giving families a framework to bring their own culture, to bring their own character and identity to this and really be the family that God is calling them to be.
0: Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love about uh, your work here, because it, it, it assumes that uh, Catholic families uh, are going to be different in the way that they, um, you know, carry out uh, certain priorities, and uh, Mm -hmm. some families will have uh, very uh, uh, clear uh, nightly rosaries. Others will have something else, and there's lots of things that can be done. And, in fact, in the, uh, the rite of family rituals, you've got, Uh, a number of points, too. You've got family work rituals, family play rituals, family talk rituals, family prayer rituals. Tell us a little bit about each of those.
1: Sure. Well, you know, those those four avenues basically encompass everything that human beings do, work, play, talk, and pray, right? (laughs) And so when families create rituals, regular times to come together to work and play and talk and pray throughout the day, and then maybe somewhat more significant times throughout the week, we model Christian attitudes toward... Having a, a living life, right, and having having Christian attitudes toward work and leisure and relationships and faith, uh, and so that's how we live out our prophetic mission of baptism by in word and deed, uh, encouraging each other to live a godly life in every and every sphere. Yeah,
0: and then when you're talking about the right of reaching out, this is something which may be uh, less familiar uh, to Catholic parents, and that's the idea that the uh, the, the family has a mission. Mm-hmm.
1: And and so the the right of reaching out is rooted in the royal mission of baptism, the third mission that we receive, and it's all about we you know reigning with Christ by serving with Him, right? So the first way that we live this out is by serving each other generously at home, because you know it's it's easy to it's easier relatively speaking to serve people who will give us special credit, but a lot of times it's hard to serve our wife and kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it has to start yeah. there, and then we think about others while being a family at home. How can I be a blessing in the way that I budget, in the way that, for example. I I take care of my things so I can pass them on to other brothers and sisters in Christ who need them whenever I'm done with them. Those kinds of ways to be a blessing to others even while I'm still at home. Um, then as we go about the world just running errands or going out to dinner or whatever, we can be godly families in the world through the ministry of kindness, you know, brightening people's day, letting them go first in traffic, smiling at the, the person that we see, using the, the server's name, and, and being kind to them mm-hmm. is a real blessing to others and a way to witness the gospel in very simple ways. And then, of course, domestic churches serving together is the fourth practice in this right of reaching out. You know, it, parish life is often becomes one more thing that divides Families, yeah. uh, but in this vision, the idea is families serving their parish and community together as domestic churches. You know one of the things that Lisa and I get a lot of feedback on the, people like our show, they like the advice that they give, but one of the things they consistently say whenever we 're either speaking or on the air together is something about the witness that we share about how we love each other and how we work together and that's even more powerful than the advice that we give or the work that we do. Yeah. And when domestic churches go out there and serve in their parish or community together, that's what people see. They, they see that, that love, they see that connection, and they see that desire to be a blessing to others and that's what really touches people's hearts more than even the service work that we do. Yeah.
0: Greg, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. Uh, thank you, and Ralph. I uh, Just let people know Where's the best place to go to follow up yeah. on the new site and also to just stay abreast of what you're up to?
1: They can sign up at the landing page to get more information at catholichom.com. stands for Households on Mission, catholichom.com. Or if they'd like to participate in the discussions that are ongoing already, they can go on Facebook and look up Catholic HOM Family Discipleship and just join the group. All right. Greg, thanks so much. Thank you, Al. God bless. We'll talk again.
0: Dr. Gregory Popcheck. Again, you can listen to Greg and his wife Lisa daily at 10 Eastern Time on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The Texas Bishops' Conference uh, expressed gratitude yesterday that a uh, state court halted the execution of Melissa Lucio over claims that she was wrongly convicted for the death of her child and the uh, the Bishop said quote, "melissa's case highlights the serious flaws in our justice system that allowed her to be condemned to death on the basis of a dubious conviction End quote. I became aware of this case, actually, I do not remember how it first got to my attention, but what finally crystallized my concern was a documentary uh, by my guest sabrina van tassel she's director of the film the state of texas versus melissa which can be viewed on hulu and uh, you can also uh, follow the work of uh, sabrina by going uh, to twitter at sab s-a-s-v-a-n-t-a-s-s-e-l and we'll have that linked at our site as well sabrina good to make your acquaintance thank you
2: thank you for having me
0: this was uh, quite uh, it, i thought an exceptional uh, documentary i thought you did a, a tremendous job in not uh, gussying up uh you know uh, melissa's uh, background the difficulties she's had um uh, her family've had and yet staying very clear on the uh a terrible job that her lawyer did, and uh, also the medical examiner. Uh, so, at the beginning of the documentary, uh, the medical examiner comes on and says, This is the worst case of child abuse I've ever seen. And, you know, immediately you hear that, you're led to that at the beginning of the documentary, you led with, you know, one of the most challenging statements. Uh, of the piece, why did you lead off that way?
2: Um, you mean the way I started the, yeah. the documentary? Why yeah. I, I I started that way? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to show, um, you know, that that the that people, that, you know, in general, who are on death row, are very flawed characters. Yeah. Are people who usually had, you know, very traumatic you know, childhood and so on. And so it was very important for me um, to uh, not only show uh, who Melissa Lucio uh, was and the kind of, you know, upbringing and and, and all the hardships she had in her life, Mm -hmm. but at the same time explain why um, a jury of 12 people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, decided that she was guilty and that she should, you know, um, die and um so i basically exposed everything that they had seen that that jury had heard
0: mm-hmm. okay yep.
2: and and just to 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 show everything that you know melissa had against her so uh we start of course with the forensic expert who says that, you know, this was the worst case of child abuse that she ever saw, uh, that, you know, that, then, then we go on and, and explain how the poverty that, you know, Melissa was living in, the fact that she had all these children, the fact that, you know, she had a drug addiction, uh, and, and and so on. And, and all these things are what put her on death row. Yeah. But then... Uh, after like half an hour of the documentary, you know pointing all these things i I basically explain what the jury has not seen right 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 and 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 just and, and then you know' it 's mind boggling uh how you know the I did not you know hear about uh the fact that you know Melissa Lucio uh said more than a hundred times that she was not guilty. Uh, you know, into her coarse confession, we discovered that, you know, her confession was that it was indeed very coarse. Oh, gosh, uh, yes. You know, we realized that, you know, her court-appointed attorney um, decided that, you know, none of her children would testify at trial, including the little boy, uh, one of Melissa's sons, who saw in a filmed interview says that you know we he saw his sister fall down a flight of stairs. Right. I mean he decided and that was really surprising to me that you know all of that you know information was was non-important. And of course, you know, I discovered that shortly after he went to work for the DA, yeah. uh, the DA serving himself 13 years of prison for bribery and corruption.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And who used her case to be reelected. Yeah. So, um, yes, I mean, you know what I wanted to show, and that's the way that I, I i made the film that way, was that on paper, Melissa you know looks guilty, yeah, uh, because she checks all the boxes of the ideal culprit, right I mean you know she she's poor, she's latina, she mm-hmm. has fourteen you know she
0: fourteen kids at the time she right? had twelve kids, <laughs> yeah. she,
2: she was pregnant with twins,
0: oh, that's right kids, yep.
2: And you know, living in poverty, and and you know, having a drug addiction, and basically, you know, on paper, you you're reading this, and you're like, okay, say no more. I understand, you know, I you know, I yeah. totally understand what happened.
0: Sure, sure.
2: But you know, uh, there's just that's not justice. That's not the way that justice should should be done. And I realized that this case was not only weak; it was non-existent. Yeah. I mean, there are no witnesses that ever saw her be abusive to Mariah. There, there's, there's nothing that links the so-called crime. I say so-called crime because you know I really believe that this was an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to Melissa,
0: yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, it's it's stunning, uh, and the fact that her attorney didn't. Have called uh, certain of the children uh, as witnesses was very surprising, because by not doing so, he left uh, Melissa vulnerable to be defi- to be defined uh, by the prosecution. Uh, did, did
2: Absolutely, any- but yeah. he did worse than that. He also, uh, uh, and that's actually the judge in the case. You know, declined. Uh, for her to have her uh, to have experts. So, what you read, you know, uh, yeah. when you read the trial courts, really. Sabrina, so uh, I'll tell you uh, what. It's, it's I only hear what, what, what what you know you have against her.
0: Yeah. Music's coming up. Need to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and continue the conversation. I'm Al Crusta.